Welcome to the Loan Hunter Podcast. I am Heather Hunter Jackson, covering all things real estate and finance in the greater Sacramento area. Whether you are an industry professional, first time home buyer, or a homeowner looking to learn more, my goal of this podcast is to take the complicated language and conflicting information you find online and make it simple and easy to understand. All right. Hello. Welcome to the Loan Hunter podcast. Today, we are actually going to talk about a recent success story. Now, this one has so many different elements to it. You know, reasons why you should get pre-approved versus pre-qualified. Dealing with how soon a lender expects you to occupy the home when it's going to be your principal residence and lending off of future income. So this one's this one's juicy and it was it was a fun one for me. So I got referred these clients by a great realtor I work with, and it was mid-February. And what the situation is, is they are doctors in Boston, and one of them had been given a fellowship at um, a local hospital here, a well-known one. The fellowship was to start in, uh, I believe her start date was about June, end of June, beginning of July. Um, it wasn't quite solidified yet in writing. Um, they had provided me a lot of like what if scenarios. The other doctor was on maternity leave with her current employer um, and would be going back to work, I believe, in the end of April and had not secured another job out here yet. So we only had the fellowship and for a doctor, taking a fellowship will eventually lead to a great income, but it takes a cut in income for them to do that. And so these borrowers had very high student loan debt as well. And what people don't realize on student loans is even though you may be in deferment, because especially during COVID, almost all student loans went into deferment. But us as lenders, unless you're on an income-based repayment plan um, or already in a payment plan of some sort with the payment reporting to the credit report, we have to qualify you off of the loan balance. And sometimes that's either a half a percent or one percent. And these borrowers had over $500,000 in student loans, guys. So that's substantial that I have to qualify them with. So um, this is February. They are trying to look at a home that they are going to own or occupy eventually when they move out here. And they also, you know, only have the fellowship job. Well, income-wise, we couldn't qualify um, because I can't use, I was thinking of using the one who was in Boston who hadn't secured a job out here yet. Okay, maybe I use her income, but then they verified she's for sure leaving at the same time. They were going to be here and they weren't going to be here until about the mid to end of June was the plan. For a lender, for one, when you are closing on an owner-occupied home, they expect you to take occupancy within 59 days of closing. So call it 60. So if you're, you know, it's mid-February, if they're looking to get into contract on something and close in March, that means they need to be occupying by May. And that was not going to happen. We thought, okay, what about, do we have access to a co-signer? And one of them's, uh, the father lived in Southern California and was a doctor as well. And he got involved and was willing to co-sign. I will tell you guys, when parents co-sign and get involved, I love parents. Don't get me wrong. They have a lot of questions, which I love because, you know, they're asking all the right questions because first-time homebuyers don't always know. Um, But usually they want to go with their lender, which, oh, you know, makes sense. I understand that. 
Um, and so I spoke with the father and, you know, he's very uh, rate sensitive and he does bank with a large institution bank, um, had a lot of assets with them. And so I, you know, that is one advantage sometimes of using your own bank. If you are someone that has a lot of assets with them, you will get discounts on your rate and whatnot. These borrowers were actually, they found a house and were ready to make an offer. Now, mind you, I had told them, I can't do anything for you unless we have a cosigner or the other one secures a job offer. And I know, you know, what the income and start date and everything's going to be. And the start date had to be within the occupancy time frame. And speaking with the father, you know, he wants to cosign and he calls me, goes over my rate versus his bank's rate. I was real close. I was willing to match it. But at the end of the day, they decided, you know, that he had all of his loans through that bank. So he just, they wanted to go with that bank. Totally understand. So I'm out of it. The father never did my application, never sent me his documentation. So I had no no way to tell the agent if he had a good deal or not. And um, they ended up getting their offer accepted. Um, their offer got into contract actually on March 7th. And the close of escrow was to be March 28th. I didn't hear anything until I think... I think I heard something on March 27th that essentially I know the week before the loan officer at that bank had told the realtor to go ahead and release loan contingency and um, that when you release your loan contingency, that's you telling the seller that everything's good. Um, The deposit that you've put into escrow is now at risk and can go to the seller if you don't close escrow. They found out on the closing date that the bank was denying the loan. So they come back to me. And are like, what the heck? I said, well, I never had dad's stuff. So why don't we have dad quickly apply with me, send me all of his documentation, and I'll see what I can do. I can take a second look. They did that right away. And, you know, this is also a learning situation of when you go from a full-time job to retiring, not everyone's income looks the same. On paper, um, the year before, the borrower was making, as a doctor, close to a million dollars. And when he went into retirement, his retirement was very funky. It was off of his assets. It was not a standard, like you retire from the state and you get a standard paycheck every month. He did not have that set up in how he retired. So while there was a lot of income to be able to use, he also had his million-dollar home on a 15-year loan. He was on his daughter's loan. He had some investment properties. So, you know, and some of his own debts. So he didn't have a lot of other debt, but just because those mortgages are higher, the daughter, the other daughter didn't like fully document that she was the one paying the loan. So now I have to include that. So once all that was involved, dad did not actually bring anything to the picture. So I go back to the drawing board. I end up in contact with one of my great underwriters, and I'm going to shout out PRMG. Um, They have been amazing to work with um, because they have some really good common sense underwriting. And I was talking with um, my favorite underwriter over there, and we are talking about, wait, what about future income? Because we knew at this point, so the thing that changed by this time is that uh, the other borrower had already been applying and working on securing a job here locally, and she had been given three offers. And so I knew that she was getting ready to accept a job offer at a particular amount within the next day or two. And so 
we talked about it. And most lenders, even, I mean, I learned something new on this. Most lenders will say that we need, we can close on a job offer letter. So when someone's changing employment, you have to qualify at the rate of what they're going to be paid at their new employer. And we normally are told we can qualify off of that as long as we have a first pay stub by first payment date. So if they were closing in April, I would need a first pay stub by June 1. Okay. That wasn't going to happen because this offer letter was going to be for her to start employment July 1. So we look at actual Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac guidelines, and you can actually qualify off of future income as long as you are starting that job within 90 days of the note date. So note date is when we draw loan docs, okay, which is about two or three days before closing. So I think our note date ended up being uh, April like 10th. So that means that she essentially needs to start by July 10th. So we we knew her job offer was July 1. Okay, we can do this. We can we can do it within 90 days. You have to have enough assets to cover all of your expenses. And they did have that in savings and retirement accounts and whatnot. So um, all right, check, you know, get everything into underwriting and we get the offer letter of employment. Now the guideline states that that offer letter cannot be contingent on anything or that you have to confirm contingencies have been removed. Well, you guys, we live in the state of California. Every offer letter is contingent on something, right? And especially for being a doctor, you have to, you know, confirm that you are obviously board certified and, you know, um, you usually have to do a health screening, things like that. So we ended up having a great HR department for this gal that we were able to work with. And I was able to call the HR director and we just had a really good conversation of, look, you know, I either need you guys to remove the contingencies or she needs to complete all of them. But some of them she had to be here in person for. And that would require her. She's a nursing mom. (laughs) Like that would require her and her baby to fly out here for a quick trip and fly back. Like that's just not very realistic. So in talking with the HR director, they were comfortable to remove the contingencies and provide us a letter that they were no longer requiring those. So and she had already satisfied a good portion of them. But um, so there were some that they would do after she would come that they were willing to remove for us. So um, that does not happen every day by any means. Um, it, like I said, it was a great HR department to work with. They understood the situation. Let's see. They decided to go with me on March 29th, and we were able to close escrow on that by April 14th. Just so you guys know, on appraisals, they had paid for an appraisal with the big bank. We do take transferred appraisals. Not every lender will do that. So sometimes if you have to move lenders after you've already had an appraisal done, you have to pay for another one. But we are able to transfer it. So that was awesome. And use the one that they had already paid for. This is why it's so important to get a pre-approval done before you actually go out there. Now, of course, they gave everything to the big bank. Big banks are, are different in how they work of that. Oftentimes, the processor and the underwriter are the ones that review things. And so that's why things blow up so much later down the line with big banks than it does with like mortgage banks or mortgage brokers. So big banks are good for certain things. So I'm not I'm not knocking them too much. But you know, there's just so many things there. Um, And then, like I said, you had to be taking occupancy as well within 60 days of closing. So they were going to be moving out um, in the beginning of June. So that worked in terms of our timeline of closing, thank goodness, just really looking at everything, looking 
working through the full situation and making sure someone is dialed in before they before they actually make an offer because they stood to lose um, you know their deposit, which was close to ten thousand dollars. So. Also, the other thing that saved us on that deal was, you know, it's up to the listing agent and seller on whether they allow the buyer to stay in the deal. And you have to tell them what's going on with with everything once you're at that kind of point. And lucky for us, and this is kind of a plug as to why to use a local person when you're buying, um, the listing agent, a week and a half before this all happened, happened to ask her loan officer was retiring. And she was asking around of, you know, a good loan officer. And one of my realtors I work with actually had given her my contact information a week and a half before that um, I'm a loan officer she should consider working with. So because my name was attached to it, because I called her and told her everything straight up that was happening, like I wouldn't lie to you and tell you I could do a deal if I can't, um, she was willing to stay in it because it made a difference for the seller to try and stick it out if they could, because we would close faster than any new person coming in unless the person was paying cash. But you never know. That's a gamble once you put it back on the market to know what offer you're going to get. So that is one reason to work with a local person that is well known in the, in the lending community. So that is my success story for this week. Thank you so much for tuning in and I will see you on the next episode. Thank you for tuning in to the Loan Hunter podcast. If you like this podcast, please share it with your friends and family. Also, please leave me a review, good or bad, because I like honest feedback and always like to improve. Thank you so much for sharing and see you on the next episode. The Loan Hunter podcast is brought to you by Heather Hunter, NMLS number 129963, DRE number 01402583. Empire Home Loan supports equal housing opportunity, NMLS number 1839243.